Welcome to America's most livable city. Please ignore the invisibles with me. See Pittsburgh, we built its economy, but we still lead the nation in black poverty. Welcome to America's most livable city. Just ignore the invisibles with me. And state your business, cause here, the place you live in depends on your race and privilege. Well, hello everyone. It is Tuesday at 2 and welcome to What Black Pittsburgh Needs to Know. I am your facilitator, Cheryl Hall Russell, and joined as usual by my colleagues, just Siri X. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay. Absolutely. And Dr. Jamil Bay of Urban Kind, and of course, just Siri is with One Hood Media. You guys know, usually every week we've got guests, where every other week we have guests, but y'all, it's been so much going on over this last month. We just decided to, for the three of us to just come on because we had a whole lot to talk about. So this week is just current events and we're just going to mix it up on a lot of things that we know you all have been talking about. And we're just we're going to talk about them here. So uh, leading the list here lately, I know at least in my timeline has been Pittsburgh Public Schools. Um, for those of you who don't know and who don't have kids in the system or have been reading about it. Uh, school system should have opened um, on August. Uh, what was it? The twenty fifth initial date. There 25th was, the 20, was 25th, initial right? date. So, we, so tomorrow, tomorrow was the first day. Tomorrow was it, and everybody was rolling with that. And then suddenly, there's an announcement that it was being pushed out two weeks. Um, from what we heard, the parents didn't know. I know I talked to teachers who had no idea it was being pushed out, and I even talked to a school board member who seemed not to know what was happening. So that blew up, big old mess. There was conversation about what to do. Uh, and then it was suddenly there was a switch again back to September 3rd and nobody seemed to right. know that was happening until they got notifications. So what is, I mean, I know we're having school bus driver issues. What is up with the communication with Pittsburgh Public? I've never seen a working <clears throat> state organization. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of the issue, right? Even to start to school on September 3rd, which is a Friday. And then we're going into like a three day weekend. It's also weird to me as to why, but you know, I mean, and this is, remember, this is kind of going off of, you know, when COVID-19 shut everything down, it didn't seem like the schools, uh, particularly PPS was necessarily prepared uh, for what happened. There was a lot of kind of stumbles and, and starts um, but, you know, particularly we're thinking like because people had been home, people had been preparing for this moment. Um, yeah. I mean, what else do you have to work on except for understanding that this is a big lift? We're in an unprecedented time. We're in a pandemic. You know, we're getting conflicting information from the CDC. Um, but we were thinking, if anything, you could decide like what the date would be. And, you know, you, you could function on that in terms of making sure all that was set um, so to have these kind of stops and starts and different dates and even a lack of communication from the superintendent to actual teachers, to parents. Um, and a lot of folks express that, you know, um, yeah. you know, to to him, a lot of folks, you know, a lot of a lot of this is falling on him. Um, and so this is kind of, a, you know, for for him as somebody who just got his um, contract renewed, it's not really a great start um, in terms of like how. He's functioning. He's somebody that has been criticized in the past um, um, for, 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 for various reasons. Um, so it definitely is looking like, um, you know, he, he's not putting his best foot forward, nor is this administration. And communication is not his thing. So, I mean, the district does a lot of really beautiful pamphlets and releases. But when he when he has to come out as a leader and talk, man, I was I was watching that school board uh, meeting the other day. I mean, my man is, is all beholding something in front of him as he's reading it like this. And I'm like, people need to know you. We need to connect to you and understand. We be, you know, you, you're more willing to give somebody a break if you feel their sincerity. And he's so closed off that it's hard to read him. Particularly Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has this theory. If you're, if you're not from Pittsburgh, which I'm not, you know, like Pittsburgh kind of you got to come and it's kind of like a, a hazing period. But a lot of times Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh is a kind of a blue collar, blue collar down to earth place. And they want to know, like, if, if you real, you know, what I'm saying, which I can appreciate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so folks want to see you. They want to feel you. They want to shake your hand. 
And and for me, I know particularly once I once people saw me, once people, you know, was able to talk to me, then I was embraced. You know what I'm saying? But I think yeah. if you do, if your approach is kind of a standoffish approach or, you know, you don't want to really get down with the folks, um, then then folks are going to going to have some issues um, with that. Um so somebody put in the comments they were going to put some kids on Port Authority buses and had to rethink that decision. Again, as a parent of a uh, a PPS student, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know They're that that was one of the old. plans. They either. had gone down to the eleven year olds to put them on a bus and on a, on a Port Authority bus. On a Port Authority bus, some oh, of them had to do trans, trans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were putting eleven year because there was just a whole list of folks with eleven year old children in my on my Facebook going, "Whoa, wait a minute! Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is this ain't New York City. Our kids are not used to just jumping on buses at, at eight. So, so and, and, as you as you're trying to solve a problem. You have an executive decision to make. And there are all of these confounding variables. We, we have a driver shortage. There's a bus shortage, you know, for, for whatever. And h- here are some options. Okay, there is a p- public transportation system. How do we use that? What does that look like? What do parents feel like about that? That's why the, tr- the communication part is key. If you come to us and say, look, we're going to move this to the middle of September because these are the outstanding issues and these are tough and I know there's not an easy decision. Even if you're like, damn it, my plan was to do this. I need my, okay, at least I understand how we got there. And this is just an executive leadership training thing. How do you communicate tough decisions? It's not right. an easy, like, this is a this is a tough one. But damn it, learn how to make tough decisions and convince people to win. You know, that that's the part of it that, come on, bruh. Listen, I, you know, and I, and I feel for him, you know, in terms of that, I remember when I was at the Hill House and everybody was like, what's going on with the grocery store? What's, you know, and I remember I was here like two months and I had to walk in a room with a hundred people and say, we're about to close this down for a minute because I, we don't know where we are and we need to stop for a minute. But what I did was I walked in, I didn't have a script and I told him what was happening. And I remember somebody saying, well, at least we know now. We know what was going on. We appreciate you coming in the room and being bold enough to tell us what you didn't know and what you were great to do about it. And sometimes that's all you need. People will give you a lot if you're direct. You know, what? and if there's some curiosity about what's happening with the, the shortage around the buses, this is a national issue. So, I mean, I'm not even blaming the district for that. Bus, there are buses, there are bus drivers, uh, pay is an issue. People are, with CLD licenses are getting paid more working for private companies who are now doing all these deliveries. So they got better opportunities. So there's got to be some discussion about pay uh, equity in that position. And so nationally, it's a struggle. But but know, but I what, think I think what 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 Dr. Bay was saying is like, you know, when you bring the community into the process, you know, and to say right. like, hey community this is what's happening even like hey we're looking for bus drivers if you know anybody this is the situation but i think when you wait to the last minute and then kind of throw it out there like this is what we have to do um that's kind of the the i think that's the issue and the problem that people have and i think yeah. and it, it's really it goes back to like dr bay said it's like what type of leadership are you displaying? Are you displaying this kind of like, you know, um, my, my way of the highway type of thing? Or are you actually bringing folks in, community, teachers, school board members into a process? And I think when you do that, then folks tend to be more on your side uh, and folks tend to be more supportive because it's like, OK, we're all in this together. He's including me in the process and how I feel. And I think yeah. that didn't happen in this scenario and, and hopefully it's a learning experience. And hopefully, you know, um, um, the brother Dan, as we go forward, says, because I think he he said, you know, he admitted that, you know, um, how he. Apologized. he yeah, he yeah. apologized for how the information. So and the hope is as we move forward that he would be better and to say, like, yo, there's community groups and organizations that are willing to help. Um Particularly we if we're invited here and talked about it, if we yeah. knew there was a bus issue. I mean, we would have said, look, y'all. They're jammed up. Here's the number to call. Here's what the pay is. Here's the training yep. that's needed. You know, Absolutely. we would we would have definitely, you know, I just think he doesn't understand the willingness of the support across the community if he would just open himself up to it. And right. something is fearful. Uh that that's a fearful leader who <laughs> is unable to open up like that. And and there's there's that's damaging. 
So I don't know. I ain't, I ain't just, I didn't get on here just to drag this dude, but <laughs> is he learning? <laughs> I don't know, Dr. Bay, is he learning? I, I, I can't comment on that, but I just, just on executive leadership, you know, you're, you're forced to make some tough decisions, but it's always easier when I need the support of those people who are impacted to explain my process. Let me include you. This is the tough decision that we have to make. Here are the variables. Here's what I'm worried about. And even right, if right. I don't agree with the decision that you made as the leader of that, right? I don't know how to run a damn school district. I'm not saying that I do. Like, yeah, that's way bigger than anything I want to do. But right. at the same time, let me hear how you're thinking because the decisions you make impact my community. Let's talk through that. And there may be some things from folks who have some ideas to contribute. That's and, and, and I, true. And, and I think just to, just to echo what Dr. Bay saying, particularly like um, – with technology now, I mean, you could get on one of these. I mean, you could kind of get on one of these and have a have a town hall and just kind of open it up to the community and the folks to kind of even participate. Um, so, yeah. So even how technology is, is you can talk and, and it, because sometimes, you know, and, and I don't know, he might feel that the press maybe is against him or media is against him. Nowadays, you can come and you could talk directly to the people and the community take questions and kind of more so bring us into the process. And like you said, Dr. Russell, I think people would appreciate that. Like, even if you don't agree, it's like he came to us. He, he, he said what he said. He took questions. He described like, you know, okay, no, this is actually what I'm thinking. And I think those are some things that, um, that, that hopefully we, we would, we would be willing to see going forward. I know, you know, we've had a school board member on here and we've had a school board member, pull out of this conversation. Um, you know, we're a platform that's trying to, you know, um, um, get information out into our community here in Pittsburgh. We're not, you know, so we, we you know, we would be willing to too, if the brother wanted to come have a conversation to also have a conversation with him and allow our audience to participate in that process as well. So I think one success is so our children's success. hundred percent. Right. And maybe one hood should open up a, uh, the educators channel. Let's, let's talk about public education. Let's have a whole series on that. Let's provide a Absolutely. space so that we can democratize that. Let me say, you have the platform, the space, and I said, got it. Yeah. you got to take it to the people right now. I mean, it's so politicized, and there are folks in the chat talking about, you know, so how much of this is Harrisburg and, and their willingness to allow school districts to fail. Yeah. Well, and then we had the, you know, even, even dealing with the teachers union, uh, which is a whole nother conversation. They ratified sure. their contract today as well and supported this third opening. You know, not only are they starting on the third Monday, they're off and Tuesday is Rosh Hashanah. So, I mean, there's this whole kind of what what about this piece of day that y'all going to get? What What is the point at this? But, you know, it's just things like that, that maybe yeah. with some community conversations. And, and, uh, and it is better. interesting it's interesting that, you know, Dr. Russell, to see what's happening with Pittsburgh Public Schools and at the same time now what's happening with the Schumann Detention Center. And it's almost like here are these, you know, like, like you know, it, it puts all, all like our youth in peril again. This is another situation where if you have a young person that maybe got caught up in something, you know, um, and, and Schumann is a juvenile detention center, as they were decertified by the state, it's looking like they're closing. Now it's talking about, you know, um, we were talking earlier, Dr. Bay said some folks are being sent to Ohio. They're talking about maybe some folks getting sent to the county jail, which to me is, is, is a, 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 I definitely Why would not want to see that. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, how are we, you know, dealing with our, our, our young people? And I say that to say, you know, we did a, um, a documentary that, that's coming out about kind of the future of education with the organization mm -hmm. called Allies for Children. And we were kind of asking um, primarily black youth directly about like, how did they see this last year? And what are some of the things that they need? And it was really a piece where um, it seemed that like administrators were more interested in kind of checking these boxes than actually seeing like, are, how are our children doing? How is mm -hmm. your mental health? How are you responding to this pandemic that kind of put your whole school year in jeopardy? And so it kind of makes me wonder, like, are now is one of the, the things that are the sacrifices of this pandemic is like, we're not really worried about the children. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, that's uh, 
Whoa. So m- maybe we have a theme for the show because this goes back to, again, th- nobody here or probably listening thinks that Schumann Center works. That's not the issue. Yeah. Okay. And its problems are well documented. But this goes back to, again, this is a county facility. This is, okay, Richard Fitzgerald. Again, just the ignorance and the arrogance of that man. Here's this decision. You knew you had to count. Okay, what does that look like? How do who was consulted on how to close? So you were decertified, and you have a time when a window of time to either appeal to get right, or you know to make the case for your plan. But you just no no plan. Okay, close. Let the cookies let the cookie crumbles. This is again. We we should have vetted, and we could. Richard Fitzgerald, again, this is failure of his space again. And let's point to where let's point to where the leaders have failed. And now all of the kids, all of the people, all of the people who work at Schumann, mostly black folks who work at Schumann, who are now out of jobs. Well, what's your plan? I don't know. We weren't consulted in how to how to make this work. Where do those kids go? We don't know. That's not our problem anymore. This is the ignorance and arrogance of Richard Fitzgerald again. His failure to lead in times of crises in issues that matter to black folks. And all of his apologists are going to come and say, well, 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 well. No, this is Fitzgerald's failure again. This too, put that on his resume. Because I hope that guy's not trying to run for any higher office that these uh, Democrats in Allegheny County are ready to rally behind. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, my it's a, it's today, a, no, no, it's 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 right on point. I'm going to calm but, down. Know, uh, no, that's right on point. You know, Bethany Howland, um, who's a, a county councilwoman, issued a statement that was very similar to yours. You know, she said uh, with the haphazardly announced closure, unexpected layoffs and disregarded youth, the values of our county administrator have become as clear as ever. Our administration will stop at nothing to save money and sell off its assets, even if it means sending more kids to jail. I'm ashamed of our leadership, their callous decision and of the inevitable harmful effects on our community. Today, the administration demonstrated a disregard for both the children housed at the Schumann facility and the union employees who work there. Unfortunately, today's announcement increases the likelihood that children will be held at Allegheny County Jail. No child under any circumstances should ever be held at the Allegheny County Jail. Um, she goes on later in this statement to say that um, uh, um, that the child population has tripled at Allegheny County Jail um, in the past six months. So I just wanted like this isn't just you saying this is a failure of leadership. This is even, you know, people at the county council letter level saying, no, this is a failure of leadership and uh, and, a, and a failure to not only. You know, uh, um, um, you know, folks that are now losing their job in the midst of the pandemic, but also a failure to really address, like, what are we going to do with these children? And if it's just send them to Allegheny County Jail, that's unacceptable. And think about where we're talking about Allegheny County Jail. Yeah. How often have we had to talk about that being one of the worst jails in the country? You don't need your cow in the Allegheny County Jail much less a child. So it is not just moving them into, into an adult situation. It's moving into the documented, terrible situation. These people got lawsuits coming out of their backsides right now. And we're, you know, we're already overpopulated with kids in the system because PPS is shooting them out of, out of their system into jails left and right every time they, they do anything. So this, what we're talking about is some sy- systemic hot mess that's been done that's being done to our kids. And some of these kids are going to come out so traumatized in this situation. I can't even imagine the damage that's being done right now. So I was reading from some other justice advocates today who were talking about the other consequence. So without the, the options. So when you decided to make this closure without considering the options and the other potential outcomes. So the other one are the kids are sent to other detention facilities far outside mm-hmm. of Allegheny County. From their or from their parents and their support network, uh, lawyers who, who would come to visit instead of you know seeing and checking in on the kid, they're doing these visits virtually, and justice advocates who could work with these young people, you know all of this is now missing, and you're sending Education. them to more right more rural, more white, 
spaces as a, as another consequences of Fitzgerald's failure. Right. Let me get some T-shirts to print that. Just a list of Fitzgerald's <laughs> failures. No, that's that's a that you got to get a big T. You got to get a double X. Yeah, right. You got to um, get the triple XL to two sided print. <laughs> that clown. Yeah, but, no, but you 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 um you make a great point, um, Doctor Bay, because we were in Schumann Center. You know, One Hood Media um, has had programming in Schumann Center for the last three years. Uh, we were going in once a month. We were going for a week um, every month to do a program where we do media literacy. We had a studio there where students can record their music. We would give them their music, um, and then the idea was also to work with them. Um, and we worked with students to, you know, when they come out to come record at our actual spot. And so that was a program that actually um, uh, Celeste started when she was um, um, CEO of One Hood. That was he was one of the most her most proud accomplishments: the fact that we were able to get in the Schumann Center and we could, you know, uh, directly work with these young people in Pittsburgh. And then now, uh, you know connect them with resources when they get out. Like, you know, and so just like you said, now uh, uh, workers like us, and I know there were many other folks that were going into Schumann and doing great, incredible programming, working with these young people. Now all that gets shut down um, as well. And we don't, and when we don't have the ability to kind of connect our students with some of the resources and community organizations that's out here, you know, working with our young people. Am I frozen or did Cheryl freeze? I think I think Cheryl froze slightly. Um, can you hear us, Dr. Russell? Yeah. Oh, well, uh -oh. there there we go. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just me and you. <laughs> don't need you to freestyle then. No, so, well, I think we um I mean, are, did you have any any other comments about um Schumann? No, I just think this is a I mean, we this is something that we have to figure out like one so often we're just reacting to the, the, the failures. Absolutely. And that's, that's basically what the hell this whole damn program has been, just our reactions to the failures. We really need to start thinking about our agenda right. uh, uh, of, of thriving. Right. What, right. Does that, what does that look like? Because this is just a mess, man. We keep counting on these same clowns who just consistently sell us short and are not working to support us. And that's, that's just a frustrating thing. Uh, Absolutely. I think I think like you said, I think that's one of the issues. It's like, OK, what 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 policies and what uh, uh, programs can we create going forward in terms of working with young people? This is something, you know, we've had we've been having, you know, communicating and working with um, the abolitionist law center on um, mm -hmm. actually right now around like, you know, the, the whole juvenile justice uh, 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 stuff. You know, this is work that I was blessed to get into um, working with Harry Belafonte. Um, a, a number of years ago. Um, and so, like you said, but like, really, that's the point. What's our agenda? And then I think like, you know, moving forward with the understanding that, you know, as bad as Fitzgerald is, he's not going to be able to run again. So now who are we grooming? Who are we developing um, to, to, to sit in that seat? as county executive and is it somebody that's going to have, you know, our best interest and our children's best interest at heart. I think that's another uh, thing that we have to begin to think about. Um, and I think folks are doing that and, and are, are doing that work. You know, um, you know, we saw it lead to a change. At least we know that, um, you know, um, 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 Ed Ganey is the, you know, the democratic, you know, um, um, you know, he won a democratic primary, um, and, and so I think we have to begin to do that same work when we look at some of these other offices um, that are making these decisions that are directly Absolutely. affecting us and our children. Absolutely. And, and that, um, you know, there, there are rooms right now where Arab parents are being, you know, appointed. You know, they are all vying for that position. And often we have not been at these tables. So now we know what it looks like when we, we get to help choose our own Arab parents and, and, and what happened with, with, with Ed. You know, this, this whole thing about this juvenile, about Schumann is wild to me because before I came to Pittsburgh, I ran a an organization that was the, the statewide organization around juvenile uh, delinquency prevention. And we I had 33 different uh, organizations that I worked with and we certified them, the organizations. That's what that was what my job was. We helped to certify and maintain standards. And so long before any of our shelters or agencies got to the point of closing there was a clear certification period. We, we knew that there were problems and they were being fixed like ASAP. I just don't know how we got here. 
that nobody was paying attention to and they didn't do what was necessary to fix this, knowing that people are going to lose their kids to other cities. And that that leadership thing right there that right. just well, allowed I mean, this thing to just shut down. Yeah, I mean, and, and they were, you know, apparently they had been cited several times and they, you know, according to what the, you know, the articles and the news that I read was that, you know, they had changed leadership, they had made some changes, but unfortunately, whatever, whatever was happening that these same failures were, were happening, you know, over and over and over again. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, sad to hear if, if, if that was the case. But kind of like you said, I think it goes down to like, what's your priority? And a lot of times, unfortunately, if you look at the jail and you look at Schumann Center, it's this idea that if you hit a detention center or you hit a jail that you're like expendable and yeah. that we don't necessarily have to think about like you don't have no rights now. And, you know, if you don't if you don't get the proper food or if you don't get the proper attention, it doesn't matter because you shouldn't have committed no crime in the first place. And a lot of times that, you know, these folks in power, I mean, you know, you just had I mean, how many years did, you know, uh, uh, Fitzgerald not even attend the Allegheny County Jail oversight meeting, even though that that budget is the biggest budget out of anything that he runs in Allegheny County. He wasn't even coming. He had to be shamed into just showing up at a meeting. But a lot of times it's that idea of like, oh, they're in the jail, even though 70 percent of the people in jail, maybe even more, have not been charged with the crime. You right. know what I'm saying? They, they have not been, you know, they haven't been charged. They haven't been on trial um, they've been accused of crimes and oftentimes they're in jail because they don't have the resources and money to pay bail. And so even though they might not be guilty of those crimes, they have to sit in there because they don't have the resources to pay to get out of jail. And so I think that's some of the thing that I think we're seeing happen. It's this idea of, oh, it's the jail, it's the detention center. You know, these are people that we don't, you know, and, and you know, but for our community, that's us. The majority of the people in both those are our community, our people. We know we're being profiled. We know if you're black in Pittsburgh, you're going to be arrested six times at a higher rate than white people. And so we have to consider that because we know that those are our people and our folks. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that regardless of what they might have been charged with or may have done, that does not mean that we throw their humanity away and that they're not they're not um, 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 they shouldn't have rights um, just because they're in jail. The throwaway people. Uh, and that's that's the way we look at it. We don't have any kids. We don't have any spare kids. Yeah. Uh, and some of these things, these incidents, some of the reasons that they're even in there uh, are minor. And now you're talking about putting people's kids in Ohio and West Virginia and everywhere else because we have not been able to monitor our system. So, uh, you know, everybody keep an eye on what's happening on that, you know, become an advocate. These may not be your children, but they're our children. And so we need to start putting some pressure on what happens with them next. Um, so speaking of kids, um, you know, I our kids are getting COVID, y'all. Uh, COVID, the, the, the Delta variant is now really starting to uh, hone in on our children. They're getting sicker. <sighs> Dr. Bay, where are we uh, in the region? We're, we're less than 40% vaccinated in the black community here. So, you know, from the last stats I looked at, but I know you're, you're much more updated on the stats. What's and, going on? And, and the countywide positivity rate is back over five. So can you explain uh, what that means to, to and folks so, who are Yes, I can. So what that means, uh, of the folks who are being tested, more than 5% of them now are showing that they do have COVID. And that's the rate that the CDC recommends. Okay, it's time to shut it down. Wow. And so that wow. was the point before where the CDC started, you know, using that language to say, all right, it's time to, you know, what, the initial shutdowns, the threshold was 5%. And we're there now. And that's countywide. Now, it, the numbers in the black community are, uh, well, they're not clear. They're somewhere between 6.4 and 13%, depending on how it's measured. <laughs> wow, that's huge. Depending that's on how it's measured. But um, the vaccination rates are very low. And so what this means, I was talking to a, a pediatrician at, uh the ER, the Children's Hospital, and she was saying that she sees, you know, she's seeing more kids with COVID. They're not getting as sick, but they are, you know, as as adults were. 
but they do have some, you know, kids that are being admitted. And her bigger concern is that, you know, they're they're exposed. They can't be vaccinated. And now they're bringing it home. And so the likelihood of more, you know, even if you are vaccinated breakthrough, uh, you know, that's still a small, small percentage of breakthroughs that have significant consequences. But it is a it is a number. You know, that is a possibility. And so as we have these conversations and, you know, talking to folks who are not vaccinated and what folks who are about how they made that decision and what those barriers are, there's still a lot of work to do. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges is that folks do not have access to people uh, in the health field who they can talk through their concerns. Mm. And they don't have trusted relationships. And people who have, you know, I was talking to a woman and she was saying that all right, it's a known, the way that she's calculating, it's known that if she's vaccinated, she's probably going to be sick for two or three days. Where if she gets COVID, she may or may not be too sick or she may not even get it if she's not vaccinated. But in either case, she has a 12-year-old son and she doesn't have a whole lot of support. She doesn't have a big family. And so she cannot afford to be down for two or three days. And so she's, you know, using that as, you know, her rationality. He's depending on me to be there every day. And we don't have a whole lot of go outside space. She doesn't have family to help with that support. And so, you know, she had her other vaccination. She's not anti-vax. Uh-huh. She just knows that right now, this is not a convenient time for her to be down for two or three days, considering where she is. She's in a situation where, you know, she she was um, she came back to Pittsburgh because, you know, she was in Atlanta and was worried about, you know, she was on that bubble. OK, the, the eviction moratorium, she lost her job in Atlanta and the eviction moratorium was coming up and she knew she was vulnerable for eviction. So she came back to Pittsburgh where, you know, she could get a more affordable rent. But as she's trying to make ends meet, you know, she can't afford. And, and so like you, you hear those kinds of stories and you say, right. this is not just, OK, everybody line up and get a shot. You know, these are people who are making decisions based on their lived experiences and the information that they have. And that they're not easy decisions. We're nowhere in a, close. Less than 40 no, percent no. of the black population in Allegheny County is vaccinated. And in some communities, it's less than 30%. Yeah, and I read somewhere that was, that was it Bedford County? I'm not sure that it was like 16%. And so, I mean, this has consequences. Um, and so I was on, I was in, on a chat the other day on, on Facebook with, with some younger black folks that were just kind of going in and a lot of them were not vaccinated. And I think what, what was fascinating to me is that, you know, nobody had really talked to a medical doctor about their decision. Nobody. And they all started to quote and put into the chat all of these things from YouTube, all of these, you know. And so, you know, we are still being heavily dependent on kind of word of mouth. And then there was conversations about all this stuff that was being injected and tracking and and all of that, where it sounds like you know, nobody's going to believe that. Trust me, they really are. And it is it's a real issue. I think it goes directly to what Dr. Bay, not as said today, but has been saying about what, like, you know, the, 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 it was the medical industry that broke the trust. So if the, if the, if the medical industry is not going to put significant resources into rebuilding a trust with our community into even establishing just a relate, like what relationship do we have with the medical industry? You know, at One Hood, we have a relationship with the Gateway Medical Society, but right. they're made up of individual professionals that donate and volunteer their time to help our community, the little time that they have, because there's doctors in the middle of a pandemic. But what resources have the medical community put in? And I'll say that to say as, you know, a healthcare provider reached out to us at yeah. One Hood and said, hey, we want to do this community <laughs> thing and we want one hood to be a part of it and i said okay great what's your budget and they said we, we don't have a budget no wait, we wait, just wait, want wait, you wait, a major medical wait 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 a major multi-million because i looked multi-million dollar healthcare provider wanted us to participate in some reach out to the black and they had no budget and so i had to explain to them what 
labor is. <laughs> like, and, and I had to say, you know, it's, it's, it's simply just like you said, Dr. Russell, you're a multi-million dollar business and that you put no, like, what, what, so what do you expect to get yeah. out of no, just, we're just going to get a bunch of black people and throw them on our website. Like that was their idea. Get a bunch of black people and just throw them on their website. But that's not real outreach. That's not real connection with this folks. Is lazy and cheap. I, I, exactly. And so who, you know, so people are trusting individuals that they have a connection to. You know what I'm saying? Right. These are people that they have a connection to. They're not doctors, obviously, you know, and there was a, you know, it's a hip hop, it's a rapper named Lupe who went on this whole rant. rant. I thought it was fascinating yeah. because he was talking about like, everybody's not qualified to do research. He was like, when you just start having people say do research, he's like, he was like, I wasn't a good student. I don't like doing research is like something that is like a, it's a skill. Um, and so he was just talking about that in terms of people. But what it is, is people are looking and saying, okay, here's grandma or here's uncle so-and-so. Here's this person in the community. I trust them. Why? I see them all the time. Right. I mm-hmm. see them. They're there. They've helped me in all of these situations. But we haven't seen UPMC. We haven't seen Highmark. We haven't seen yeah. them in our community. And, and, and if they're not willing to spend um, to actually build a real relationship with folks, then we're left now kind of to our own devices. I think that's what you're, you're seeing is happening. But I, I did have a question for you, Dr. Bay, specifically is now that the FDA came out and approved um, Pfizer, Pfizer, because I yeah. saw a report um, that basically where they asked people and like what could happen that would encourage you to get the vaccine. FDA approval was high up. It was the highest on the list. Second highest was if they basically said you had to be vaccinated to get on a plane, you know. So I know that, you know, some of these restrictions that have came out has actually led to people getting vaccinated because folks are looking and saying, if I can't go inside of a restaurant, I was just in um, um, Los Angeles. They were saying by October 1st, I believe that they were going to have some of these restrictions where you couldn't go into different places unless you were unless you could show vaccine you know they just had a concert over at stage ae and you had to show proof of vaccination in order to get into the concerts but do you believe that the fda approval of pfizer and you know they were saying that moderna is going to be approved it was just a paperwork thing is this going to maybe open it up or or encourage people to get vaccinated that maybe have not i think it's it's going to eliminate one more one more hurdle barrier I don't think it means, okay, starting tomorrow, everybody's lined up. That's what we were waiting for, these folks to sign off on that. One of the things that it's going to do, uh, you know, there were already employers that were mandating that you had to be vaccinated. Right. And they've been hit with lawsuits. Now, what what they were what they were saying was, that's fine. We knew the lawsuits were coming. But by the time it gets to the court, it's going to be approved and it's going to be a moot point anyway. But in the same way that, you know, the MMR vaccines and polio vaccines and other vaccines are mandated, this is, you know, that legal requirement has been removed. Now that it's approved, you, um, you know, it can be required. Now, you still have the freedom to choose not to get the vaccine. okay? but I can use that as a way to discriminate against you and not hire you or not allow you to attend my function or my university. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that that's a uh, that's a reality now. And so we're going it's, to see some of that. It's going to jam us up even worse, though, if if we don't, you know, if we stay in that 35 to 40 percent. And now all of a sudden there's all these you know, mandates based on on law. And, and then, you know, are we going to get up to 55 percent? Are we just going to find ourselves not being able to get jobs and some and other I, stuff. I mean, it'll be really I, I, interesting to see. I'm, I'm laughing at the comment in the chat because this is already happening. There are there are vaccine police. Where's your car? Where's your car? And you know that yeah, this is one more thing that you know we we know only 35 percent of you black folks are vaccinated. Show me your car. <laughs> That's the carrot. <carriage. laughs> um, so so speaking of that, um, speaking of that, Doctor Bay and, and and Dr. Russell. I mean, you know. Um, I guess the lieutenant governor of Texas kind of came out and basically said that 
the reason that, you know, Texas was falling short was because of black people. He was like, most of the people that aren't getting vaccines are black people. They're Democrats. And so is that going to be if one of these that comes out of that, Anything that comes out of that asshole's mouth, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, you, I can't even tell. That clown. Keeping in mind, it's only 16% of the people infected in Texas. Bro, we can't even, we can't even, let's not even talk about Texas. Because that, that, that idiot. So this is the same clown. We started in Jasiri. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. He was the same one. It was black people's fault. Remember during the election, he was the one. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, to, to hell with him. Yeah. But yeah, but is this is this? Yeah, this is one more. This goes to to Woogie's point. One more thing. One more thing that white folks got to say. Okay, here's black folks' fault again. This is black folks. When I'll be goddamn, I said it again. This is Trump's pandemic. Trump, Trump. millions of people have died because of that clown, his inability to take his inability to lead, to support the World Health Organization, to support the CDC early. The consequences of this, all of these. uh, Yeah, this Trump killed millions of people. Right. He did. History is going to record this. This is his pandemic. And that clown from Texas, that lieutenant governor. Yeah. That's another one of his idiots with his head up Trump's behind. No, no. And and, and what's interesting is Trump did a some type of rally where he talked about getting vaccinated and they booed, Mm -hmm. you know, and he talked about he took the vaccine and the crowd booed. And so just like you said, this is you and kind of the, you know, the GOP kind of, you know, pandering to this group um, that that don't want to be masked, don't want to take the vaccine. Um, you see, you know, the the, uh, the governor of South Dakota just came out and talked about how she was going to, like, you know, um, do everything in her power not to allow people to mandate um, um, vaccines, even though um, in the past two weeks they have the highest percentage of new COVID cases. I think it was like 300 percent rise. Damn it, I'm going to hope you die. And I mean, South is Dakota. that the rallying cry? What the hell? I mean, I think, you know, and it's 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 weird to see this to me. It's weird to see health become politicized. I would have never thought that wearing a mask would become politicized. And it's like if you got a mask on, you know, I was telling people I went to a um, you know, I was I was in Los Angeles. A friend of mine was like, hey, let's go to this spot. And we went to the spot and then it just got. More crowded and more crowded. It was a point where I said, knew I was laughing. I said, this is a 2019 crowd. This we're not, this ain't supposed to be happening in 2021. So we had to we, we we had to leave. I was like, all of us began to get uncomfortable. And we were like, hey, we gotta leave. It's too many people in here. Nobody's wearing masks. People was drinking. And then when we walked out, it was about 200 more people waiting to get inside this place. And I was I was shocked. I was like, hey, yo. And, you know, then you start to think, like you had, Dr. Russell, we ain't never getting up out of here. <laughs> you start to think, like, yo, people are wild. And so I think, like, I think people have looked at it like, you know, almost like it's a, the cold. If I get it, I get it. You know, you had um, um, a, a, a famous football player. He's a quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, where he kind of said, well, if I get it and die, that's God's will. And I think people are kind of operating on that mentality instead of saying, like, I can actually take precautions that can actually extend my life. So it is fascinating to watch. But I agree with Dr. Bay. This was Trump um, giving these people a a, a platform and 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 because he and he don't care nothing about all he wanted to do was get reelected. He did not care. He don't care how many people die right now. He just wants to get elected. He wants to put pressure on Joe Biden. He does not care. He don't care about no Afghanistan any people. He does not care. You know? <laughs> it's so interesting to how different the reasoning is between black and white folks about why they don't get it. You know, 100%. theirs is completely around politics or what their political leaders and ours is about not trusting medical systems, period, because of our 100%. you know, but all of them are, are in the same and the same risk. Not not True. trusting and the history of no relationship. And he said, None. our folks, we ain't used to having insurance and we're not used to doing this. And so I don't that's why we don't have those relations, because we're in these shitty jobs. Right. right. And so you so you asking your aunt and everybody else in the community about right. what they know. 
Yeah, because I you mean, have the relationship. I, I have a decent job. I don't have a doctor. You know, I don't have like a doctor. I like, you know, if something happened, I go to UPMC and it's like, whatever doctor you give me. But like, and I didn't know until I started to do Ask a Black Doctor that I had a choice in what doctor I had and I could build this wow. relationship with this particular doctor. I didn't even know this. You know, I'm one of them, wow. you know, unfortunately, I'm one of them black. You know, I come, I tell people, I come from the suck it up generation. You just, oh, just suck it, walk it off, suck it up. And and so, like you said, it's like Dr. Robitussin, it'll be all right. Yeah, rub, rub, rub some Robitussin <laughs> on it. Rub, put, drink some ginger ale, you'll be good. So, but, but I don't have, and so, I, I, and I look at, you know, just like Dr. Bay said, how many people have a family doctor? Like, well, where you have a relationship with this person, you know them, they know you, they know your body, you can call them. That's rare in our community. And so now when something comes down, we don't like, who do we call? Who do we talk to? You know, who, who can we say, hey, you know, um, this is somebody that I trust. And, and I, I just think it, it goes directly back um, to what Dr. Bay said. And we still, to this point, you know, have not had any real plan from I, and some, you know, um, somebody put out, check out Black Equity Pittsburgh. I know that you've been working on that, Dr. Bay, along with several folks. And I'm just wondering what level of investment. I mean, we already have a group. We have trusted folks like yourself and the, and, and, and the Black Equity folks. I, I would think that these these folks should be funding, you know, what you all are doing and your ideas and helping to develop those plans that we need to actually get black folks vaccinated, you know? And, and that's a big part of what black equity is, is uh, one of the things that we're working on, you know, one in response to a pandemic, again, we're forced to react. This is ra- racism's greatest, white supremacy's greatest power is to force you into reacting constantly. Right. In that, you know, we, we still have to, it's about building this new narrative of uh, uh, standards of what's expected. What can we do? And then you said, you know, if you're using the ER or the the Medicare or MedExpress as your primary care physician, you know, no, that you don't have to have a health problem. I need to make sure that's what I want to do. Now, if I'm talking to my doctor regularly, hey, doc, here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I'm thinking. And let me talk you through that. This does not mean that there's a health issue. But at least when something comes up, he knows you well enough. You take his advice well enough. Let's start having those conversations. Now, that's a privilege to have that relationship. But when you have any kind of health, you need to start thinking about what that's like. I mean, and when I go to my doctor, how are you sleeping? You know, how's your sex life? Are you pissing okay? You know, all of these kinds of things. It's like, what are you asking me about that for? And it's like, yeah, I'm trying to get a sense of how you're doing. What's going on? Those are, you know, that's a part of this bit relationship building. And, but... In order to do that, then, okay, there's a vaccine. Let me talk through. Here's what I'm worried about. Okay, well, I can, I can, I get that. Rather than, yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. Just take the vaccine. And so yeah, that's, yeah. that's we, a we part of what, what we don't have because, yeah, there's a whole lot of reasons not to trust these folks and these systems. So speaking of not trusting folks, y'all trust Tony Moreno? Hell to the no! <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can't be biased, but I mean, I mean, when you, I mean, wait, 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 wait. I'm what's sorry, I could have been more subtle. In my what, what's the question? The do I do, do I trust him to do what? I trust him to do. Yeah, yeah. What's going right now? I trust him to be who he is. I do. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm being obnoxious in how I introduce this, but um, you know, we said we had a lot of topics to talk about today, and. One of them that has been... You don't need to know, Woogie. You don't need to know who that is. Somebody don't don't even Google him. (laughs) So this this dude ran, of course, as a Democratic uh, candidate for mayor. There was a whole lot of questions about his background. Former police officer doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, but we like how you... Then some little things start popping up in his background. Some of the uh, organizations that he supported that were... All right. And what, you know, he was like, hey, yeah, it's a misunderstanding. I'm nice to everybody. And then he lost and decided to run as a Republican. And my goodness, did the sheet go on? This dude right. is now being affiliated with all kind of far right extremists and unapologetically all his tweets and combos about um, what a great guy Trump is. All this stuff is just pouring out. 
So, you know, my idea, my thought is what, what big, how big a threat is he to Ganey? You know, since 19, what, 32 or 37, the Democrats won in this current climate. What's the threat to Ganey at this point to have this, this dude on the right? I, I don't, I don't, I, well, I think that that's something that we have to think about as, you know, as particularly as, as, as black people um, that are already struggling um, in America's most livable city that are already facing, you know, all of these different things that we face, even, I mean, you know, we supposedly have a progressive democratic mayor right now, you know what I'm saying? And it has not benefited a majority of us as black people in Pittsburgh. And so now imagine somebody that has the, you know, that has this kind of far right thinking um, where, you know, Pittsburgh has one of the highest rates of white supremacist activity in the country, according to the FBI, you know, you're, you're not only communicating with these folks and, you know, people like Wendy Bell, who's, you know, very clear as to, as to where she stands, um, particularly when it comes to issues around race, but you're like giving these folks a platform and then you're actually trying to make it seem like that they're, they're not racist or white supremacy supremacists in their rhetoric. You're actually trying to give these folks a pass. Um, and so I think we should be mindful of that. And, and we shouldn't have this mentality of, oh, you know, Danny got the Democratic nominee nation. He's good. No, we should be planning to to get together and vote in November because it's not just Ganey on the ballot. We also have three black women um, that are running for judge um, as well as, you know, more. I think we have five progressive judges um, as well. And so there's a lot of stuff that we have to, we you know, and we're at One Hood Power, you know, we're going to start, you know, we just put out, we, we have a... Um, you know, we have a get together um, on uh, our launch um, September 5th uh, at Highland Park. We're encouraging everybody to come through um, and we're, um, you know, we're going to start our series of forums around these races starting uh, September 13th uh, with the judicial forum. Um, and so we just got to start paying attention. I know like summer's closing out, like we're getting back into school, but we should begin to think about um you know, the election coming up, we should begin to educate ourselves if we don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah. we should be planning to get as many people as we can to vote in November so we don't have, you know, uh, somebody who obviously has taken this stance, you know, when it comes to, you know, kicking it with white supremacists. And, 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 and you know, I don't know. I haven't I've never talked to the guy, so I can't say what his stance is on you know, issues that are directly impacting me and my community. Um, right. He, he uh, I, your, your question was, do you trust him? He came, we had a mayoral forum, a forum in the candidates forum in Beltsuver uh, before the primary, two or three days before. And after he spoke, I said, you know, I talked to uh, Peduto did not participate in the, in the forum. Uh, and after Moreno spoke. I was the facilitator for the for the forum. I said, "You man, you know, I I appreciate you showing up, and, and you don't come off as an asshole cop." And <laughs> and no excuse. You said exactly that. I said that was that was exactly what I said. He laughed and said, "That's because I'm not from Pittsburgh." <laughs> and does that mean okay? Well, I know how to talk the talk. I'm a little smoother than that. Or wow. there's a problem with the Pittsburgh play? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go any further than that. We both laughed. And parted ways after he said that. But I'm looking at, um, so yesterday, uh, Peduto wrote a letter for Next Pittsburgh, and it was the work that he still has to get done before he's leaving office. Now, Peduto is the first mayor of the city of Pittsburgh, the first incumbent to ever lose. Hmm. And so we, have, we haven't had this period of this, this lame duck period. Right. And so he's outlining, you know, some of his things with PWSA and the stormwater. And again, we had P we, we had that issue with the uh, thing in Homewood. The the, the, the busted sewer, sewer line in Homewood with the sinkhole and PWSA and Will Pickering. Shout out to him, the, the executive director at PWSA. He has committed to addressing that for the folks on that block. I don't remember what block it was in Homewood. But those seven households that were disconnected, you know, it's a significant investment. And he got his board to approve making those repairs for those families. So shout out to them. But, you know, we could do the outline what, what the work that still needs to be done in the remaining months of his thing. 
And but the other thing that I see here, I trust Ed to be Ed Ganey. Ed is a solid Democrat. Ed is not a you know he's not known. He has some progressive ideas, but he's not known as being a progressive Democrat. Right. You know he's not on that him. He's a solid you know union guy. Uh, supporting the the issues that Democrats typically support, um, but it, it does show up. It does listen to folks. We have an opportunity to influence Ed's agenda, and I think that we should stay engaged and having those conversations because there's a lot of things you know where we've been neglected. But the other side of that, not the other side, it, also pay attention to what's happening in City Council. Yeah. In this lame duck period, city council sees this as an opportunity to seize power. Right. And, and you see that this heavy handedness with this, uh, with this recovery act money. Oh, we're going to go ahead and commit it all. We know that there's a new mayor coming in and let's shut it down and make these commitments. You know, and, and again, I think this is we've seen this happen in Duquesne when they elected a black mayor. We've seen it happen that was wild. in like, like basically city council said, hey, we don't trust this black person to run this. And you see this like, OK, let's amass our power. This is still Pittsburgh again. This is why Tony Moreno is still out there. You know, who's where the checks and balances for these folks in city? It, it's more the same thing. And I, I've been advocating for this recently. We really need to think about as a as a city. How do we professionalize city council that means let, let's give it a professional salary you know for the work that's asked of these folks they're not paid which is why you see so much outside you know these folks still hold their other jobs right. so you, you have folks in city council who are roofers and uh realtors and cosmetologists yeah, we need some people who understand how to manage a budget how to do policy work these people are learning on the job. We're not recruiting and attracting the best people for city council. And we're asking a whole lot of them. Absolutely. And I think that we need to have that conversation. Let's let's think about what a professional city council looks like and not just the next the next preacher that wants to get some people excited, gets enough folks to vote for. Them. Who knows how to do this shit and understands yeah. the challenges and can listen to people and can understand goals and priorities rather than coming in. The, with the support of a developer to push an agenda. Yeah. So I think Pittsburgh's in trouble right now. We're at this pivot point. We need to stay active. We need to stay vocal. So, I mean, we were talking about the whole lame duck issue. We've got, we've got folks who are, are now peeling off, you know, who have worked for the city, who are now taking other jobs and, you know, everybody's trying to, and, I mean, we don't blame them. They got, they got families right. to support and Absolutely. careers too. But I mean, what happens in these, and these vacuums and who gets set up uh, while we don't have any clue what's happening and, you know, how, how permanent will some of these changes be, you know, when, when the new mayor takes over there, this is a kind of a kind of creepy time right now um, as, as people are repositioning themselves, but that's right, that council, man, that, that council. Yeah. We, 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 we got to kind of like what, what Dr. Bates, I mean, we got to be paying attention to what's happening uh, we got to be a part of these conversations as they're talking about these millions of dollars. Um, and, 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 you know, we have kind of have to let them know, you know, um, that that we're you know, we want our voices heard as communities as well. And it seems like it's been this thing of like community saying we want our voices heard and kind of city council and the mayor saying, oh, we, we kind of know what's best for you. And we want to we want to end that cycle. But we got to do it in a way. And, and, and it's really, you know, unfortunately, um, a lot of times the only language a politician understands is, you know, we can mass enough voters to get you up out of there. Um, and so, you know, if, if, it, if it comes to that, I mean, that's again, that's what we, we have to begin to do. And I think that's what, you know, like I said, these emerging black led political groups are building power to do to say, like, nah, we're getting ready um, and we're getting folks ready. Um, and, and, and we want to kind of build that power if you're not going to listen to us when we say, you know, we want our voices heard. And so we do have to be um, 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 vigilant uh, when it comes to a lot of those issues. Yeah, because their, their attitude now is we'll do it and have community meetings about it later, you know, and that's that's yeah. just not how this should work. Guys, Absolutely. we are at three o'clock. Any kind of closing thoughts or takeaways from, you know, we, we, we had a lot of topics today. We, you know, we had a lot of things that we needed to cover. It's good um, to catch it, up with y'all. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we've been a <laughs> yeah, we've been off for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, I know. You know, we um, at, at, like I said at One Hood, we have um, our um, we have our um, this week in white supremacy tomorrow um, on Tilt Thursday um, at, at at twelve o'clock. We're also um, you know participating in uh, with um, a, a group of national organizations. Um, in a rally in Washington, D.C. on Saturday um, called Making Good Trouble, um, you know, in the spirit of, of John Lewis. Um, this is organizations like Until Freedom, Black Voters Matter Fund, um, you know, uh, Woke Vote, um, you know, uh, um, some other organizations that are kind of coming together to talk about, you know, some of these national issues of the filibuster of, you know, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, you know, the George Floyd Policing Act, all of these acts, it seems like all of the acts that are, are in relation to black people have not moved an inch politically. Um, and so folks are coming together to put pressure on this administration. So um, if you are interested in that, interested in possibly going to D.C. Um, this weekend, you know, you could, you know, hit, hit me directly or you can hit us at info um, at onehood.org. Um, and then, like I had mentioned on September 5th, uh, we're doing our launch, uh, our basically, you know, we're back at it for one hood power. That's a Sunday, you know, we know we got Monday off. So if you ain't doing nothing Sunday the fifth and you want to come hang with us, um, uh, do that. Uh, we're doing Patonka talk, the Patonka talk festival that's September 3rd, um, along with a bunch of, you know, socially conscious hip hop artists and performers, um, we'll be performing and that usually this is the first Patonka Tong that usually drew, draws a lot of people. But of course, we want you wherever you come out, mask up, practice social distancing, be mindful of the time that we are in. Um, and so, yeah, those are the things that I think we got some more stuff coming down, but we'll inform you all when we got all that set up. Right. See, and, and that's what I did. The- that's why the brother's organization is growing so rapidly. They're doing this, all this good stuff. And brother, keep, keep at it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, on the other hand, I'm, I'm horrible at remembering to <laughs> tee up what's, what's going on for our organization. But, but I, I don't have the flyer ready to, or the link to put into the chat, but we have coming up a, uh, our, our, our community engagement team, uh, Dr. Neil Brown, who he's been on here. Absolutely. Quadir Bay and Jaquea Mills. They're out, you know, doing some community engagement. They were in McKee's Rocks and went into the library talking to a librarian there. And out of that conversation this Saturday, what they want to do is uh, it's a black book expo. It's a book expo for mostly for independent authors. You know, as publishing is becoming democratized too, a lot of folks are doing their own publishing. But what the, the librarian wanted to help us see you know, to get to that next level, you need to get your books in library systems. And so, you know, not only is that okay, well, that's at least a dozen sales to the Carnegie libraries. You know, that's in your system. People can search for you and that's how you can help. So it's an expo workshop this, this Saturday at the McKees, Books, McKees Rocks Library. Mm-hmm. It's an all, I think it's a 10 to 5 event. Well, I don't know if the setup's a 10. Get out there afternoon. You'll be cool. Uh, but get out and, you know, if you're interested in supporting black authors or if you're interested in just, you know, learning more about how you can get your book published and get it to the next level. This is a workshop for that. Um, look at somebody threw it in the chat. Go ahead, Naomi. OK. Right. Boom, boom, right. boom. And then I uh, saw I saw the show. I saw a show that you all were doing with the with the younger. I saw it was Quadir was a couple other. Yeah, they, they're you, doing that. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> so, so that's right. So our, our young folk, Black Futures, is a, a, a yes, group, yes, a networking group of of uh, young Black folks. They're they're on here online every Friday, Black Future Fridays, and the conversation that I challenged them to have is let's just get these folks together and talk about and imagine and dare to dream about what what do, what's what's that aspirational vision for Black folks, not the reaction to white supremacy not the reaction to what's going on in Pittsburgh. How do we think, you know, what, what's the future that you want for your children and your grandchildren? What do you want to be able to write back and talk about? And so this is a challenge to them. I'm pretty much hands off because, you know, I'll mess it up. 
but, you know, my young folks, I'm real proud of those young folks. Naomi's one of them. Uh, but there's a team of about nine of them, and they're, it's a growing network. And so they, they're on live every Friday. Awesome. I don't know, is, is it every Friday, Naomi? But anyway, check that out. <laughs> So the one last thing I want to mention that Dr. Bay and I both do, we do work for uh, Independent Sector, which is a national organization that uh, has its memberships and in, in nonprofits, individual nonprofit, individual people work for nonprofits, foundations. And he and I host uh, what's called an upswell exchange of, of folks around the nation talking about some of the challenges that are happening with uh, and nonprofits. And it's the it's a time that people are really engaging from, you know, you're in Portland talking to somebody in Detroit about what's going on. And so, you know, we have these topics every other month. I think our next exchange is September 30th uh, from two to four. We'll put some more information about it. But it has been a really, really cool place to have some national conversations on what's impacting our communities. So we'll put some things out uh, to make sure everybody can can join that and maybe find some resources, both in people and others, other things, because uh, we're very much a part of a national conversation as well. And the important part of that program, the way we design that, the intention is for you to connect with folks in other cities who are doing similar work to you so that you can sort of, hey, let's let's learn, let's do these learning exchanges. What are yeah. you doing? What are your challenges? How did you work that out? And I think, you know, it's the, the conversations, the relationships that folks have and that are building outside of the actual on-air space has been, has been powerful. Yeah. That you're building your national network of people who, who, who do the kind of work that you do. Think about how valuable that would be to you. So, yeah, yeah we, we talk in. money, we, we talk about kind of stuff. We'll have your promo link next time we're on the air in two weeks. All right. Fantastic. All right. Uh, we are over. But this has been wonderful. Um, you know, folks, please feel free to, to shoot this video around with some really important information. There's a lot of real serious stuff going on right now that we need you to think about, you know, where you are as advocates. And mostly, I think for me, what came out of this today is we need to we need to support our kids. We need to safeguard our, our teens and, and, our, and the children right now. They are um, we're in trouble in the city in terms of a leadership around supporting what's going on with our, with our kids. And so they need us and they need our voices and our actions. So get involved, y'all. All right. We're out. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for joining us. Peace. Bye. Peace. Welcome to America's most livable city. Please ignore the invisibles with me. See Pittsburgh, we built this economy, but we still lead the nation in black poverty. Welcome to America's most livable city. Just ignore the invisibles with me. And state your business, because here, the place you live in depends on your race and privilege.